0: you want to learn more about effective management, head over to madsingers.com and sign up for my free management training.
1: Welcome to the Mad Singers
0: Management Podcast from madsingers.com, where entrepreneurs and business managers learn and share. If you like the show, don't forget to leave a review. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Mad Singers Management Podcast. Today, I have the pleasure of being joined by Sarah Sheehan. Welcome, Sarah.
1: Thank you so much, Mads. I'm so glad to be here with you and your listeners.
0: I am super excited for today's conversation. Lots of interesting topics we'll jump into, but just before we do it, there's people around the world who don't yet know who you are. We've got to change that. So tell us a little bit about yourself and how you've ended up where you are right
1: now. That's a great question. Um my name is Sarah Sheehan, and I bring many years of management consulting, working with the world's largest consulting firms and Fortune 100 clients, and I have helped them all from a human capital perspective. And what that means is I'm focused on human performance, organization change management, leadership development, organization design, and executive coaching, those kinds of things directly to help develop more leaders at more levels of every organization. Um, I came to a crossroads during the pandemic and realized that going out on my own and really creating my own path was going to be the best way for me to flourish and to grow personally and to help others. And so that's, that's what brings me here today.
0: Excellent. That sounds exciting. It's a, it's always a big jump to go out on your own, but it's also uh, a journey full of learnings. So
1: exciting to see how that goes. Absolutely. If you're open to it, it's amazing. What can come your way?
0: Definitely, definitely. So, Sarah, we, we've we talked about culture in the podcast before, and I want to jump into that again, because I know that's one of your sort of key areas of, of interest. So how do you look at culture? What, what is good culture and what do we need to know about it?
1: Well, the foundation of a an organization's culture really is about the behaviors that are supported there. And creating a new culture is about creating new behaviors in the organization. You have to do, encourage people to adopt new ways of working. And it's easier said than done, right? This is a hard thing to do. Um, poor behavior change. And so what you really have to do to get under the organization's culture is understand what outcome what what is the end goal that you have in creating culture and what kinds of measures are going to support you in getting there and what the actual new behaviors are um just to really break it down. Those are the critical parts of creating culture. And it's really about getting leaders in the organization to assist you in getting people to want to do things differently. And so what that requires really is taking a look at who your early adopters and your innovators are people that are really going to want to be the tip of the spear and bring the rest of the organization along easier said than done. As I, as I mentioned earlier, um, it is a complicated, um, it is a complicated equation um, when you get humans involved in it, um, but it is something that can be done in a very thoughtful uh, way. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And we, we've talked about culture in the show before, right? And it's it's obviously there's the sort of many different views on how to do it well and so on, right? But fundamentally, culture is just dealing with humans, right? And uh, everyone always has sort of different different agendas if you will right people people fundamentally are looking most people are looking to grow at least and most people are looking to do things that they're excited about and and helping them find those things is is one of the things i've definitely found critically important to to be able to move people right uh i i i love uh, what you said earlier with sort of finding the people who are early movers one of the key things i i i've found really helpful for myself in the past is figuring out what I call the voice of the team. So very Mm. often when you have a a group of people, there's always a couple of people that carry the voice of the team, right? Or there's a couple of people who always speaks up and you know that if they first speak up and say something, people will very rarely disagree with them, right?
1: That's a a definite uh, benefit to anyone wanting to affect change, to understand that voice. Um, And I'm constantly characterizing the voice of my client determining what that voice is through all kinds of different feedback mechanisms so I'm totally um seeing eye to eye with you
0: yeah but that that's always been my big thing like if I if I'm gonna go out and do some change that's unpopular or that's you know that's gonna be a big change and normally humans are not particularly prime for change all the time right so Change in itself can be a bit uncomfortable to people. But I've I've always found it very useful to go out and you know pull some one or two of these people aside that really, you know, drive the in sport terms, it would be drive the dressing room, I guess. But but in the corporate world, it's more about sort of driving the the mood and the behavior of the team, right? And pulling them aside and, and actually ask for their help. Don't say Absolutely. Hey, we're, we're we're doing this thing, but actually say, you know, we're I, I want, I, I need your help, right? Absolutely. Need to do this thing. It's so important. And, you know, I know how amazing you are and all this sort of stuff. So, so explain to people why you need their help and why they are important, but then get their buy-in and get them to help you drive the change through.
1: Absolutely. And you can get people to help you in all kinds of different ways. Um, yep. they're very practical and pragmatic and the, really exciting part about what we're talking about here is it, it can apply to any size organization, whether you're very small uh, entrepreneurial startup company or you're a growing midsize company. Um, everyone needs to affect their culture in some way. And I know that so many companies are facing the hard road of determining what to do with the return from remote following the pandemic um, and determining if they are going to go back to the office full time, or are they going to be hybrid? Um, I've worked with a number of clients um, and they are all over the map. I have a client right now that's staying remote. Um, I had a client um, earlier this year that is truly hybrid, where we had some meetings in person and the rest remote. Um, You know, last fall, I had a client that was totally in person, um, with the exception of key roles that they wanted remote. So there's no right 100% way to go. It's got to fit your team and your business, honestly, and the results that you need to achieve, yep.
0: I, I it was actually going to be my question: What's the right answer? Because uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, again, I don't think there is one, right? Uh, I, I I think it's very interesting to see how the corporate world was pushed out to this. And and just to give some background, like I, I've actually run like my, all my businesses. I've been remote for the last eight nine years or so. Um, so I've I've been through this for for a really long time. But it's been very interesting to see when companies get forced into it, how they react, right? And I I think the biggest learning lessons for me is that when you see, I mean, most of my company have good leadership, right? But when you see companies going remote that doesn't have great managers or don't have managers that are particularly effective from a management standpoint, that just blows up in remote, right? Because there's a lot of things that you kind of, can glean over when you're there face-to-face. There's a lot of things that just kind of happens when you're seeing people every day. But i definitely seen with a lot of the clients that will sort of come running to me that, you know, when when you first go remote, if your management skills is not up to scratch, it tends to hurt significantly more.
1: I could not agree with that more. Um, I would also add that whatever you choose, um, whether it's remote, hybrid, or in-person, it really needs to fit your business context, your true business purpose, what you're doing, your role, and the results that you need to achieve. And if it doesn't fit that, it won't work. Um, That's the equation that you have to solve.
0: I, I totally agree with that, and I I think I mean there's definitely many businesses that still benefit from having at least some physical presence, right? Um, I I think one of the things that I've definitely seen happening, particularly in the US, is is the the companies that I work with have sort of opened their eyes to the pool of people because there was like prior to COVID, there was very difficult time just hiring great people, and you know the 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 job market was was not very good if you were in a business of hiring um, and and suddenly being able to recruit all over the country instead of just in New York City or in, in LA or something like that had definitely opened their mind and and saw the opportunity for a lot of companies, right? Um, but exactly as you say, there's definitely both situations where it makes a, a lot of sense, but definitely also somewhere it doesn't make so much
1: sense. Right. That's a, a really interesting point there, Mads. The... Times have changed in terms of talent and the battle for the best talent or the right skills is truly on. Um, It really is. The pandemic has leveled the playing field and it definitely is allowing the individual to control their future more than ever before, where individuals can choose the environment that they want to be in, the in-person or not no in-person requirements. They can be more in charge of choosing the manager that they want to work for. Um, It is truly remarkable times. And for companies that aren't clued in to these changing rules, they might want to stop and pay attention a bit. Um, because it will definitely impact their business long-term if they don't, because they will not retain their people. Yeah.
0: And th- this was actually what I saw a lot sort of over the last couple of years, right? where not just companies having trouble hiring, but losing some of their best people. And a lot of the time, obviously salary ha- have something to say, right? Uh, everything else would would be crazy but but it it often doesn't mean as much as people think right so if you are losing people if you are losing i mean one here there is one thing right but if you're losing significant amount of people like again you really need to look at what am i doing right Uh, i i really recommend actually talking to people who are leaving um both sort of exit interview type of thing. A lot of companies don't do that, but but really get to understand why are people going, right? What exactly. Is it that, what is it that you're not offering that they're looking for? Because if you don't take the time to understand, if you're just like, oh well, someone's leaving and that's 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 sad. Uh, but if you don't actually time to understand, taking the time to understand why they're leaving, you might be missing out on some very very critical information because. If, if you have significant amount of people leaving you on a regular basis, that becomes a huge issue.
1: Absolutely. And just one example um, of that may be that if you are in a situation where you have people leaving and you take the time to talk with them about what's motivating them to go elsewhere, you might find out that you have a not so great manager in your organization or leader that might need some help. They may need some one-on-one coaching to help them get to the next level so that they are not shedding resources from your business. Um, there are all kinds of things that you can uncover in those private one-on-one conversations that could make a huge difference in your business.
0: Yep. Yeah, as I always, say that reality is in most businesses. Still, when people are promoted into management roles, they're often not getting the training. Right? It's it's often like they they're often they're doing interviews and so on, and you know someone gets the job, they're getting promoted, and you know they show up Monday morning and suddenly they have a new job. But many companies don't have a great system for how to actually train people that are new into management roles and how to do their job effectively,
1: right? I would totally, totally agree with that. I bet it's a huge percentage of companies that aren't um, providing any training. And so I noticed, Mads, that you have a management academy.
0: Yep. Tell
1: tell me a little about that.
0: That, that That's the fundamentals, right? So I, I spent many years in the corporate world. And, and basically what I put together is is the 80-20 for me of, of effective management. So I've basically taken sort of the the, the eight most, what I call impactful uh, lessons from sort of management role. And it's, it's a mix between processes and skills, but it's basically eight lessons. And it takes roughly five hours to go through. As I say, if you learn and understand those lessons, you're going to be better than 90% of the managers out there. Mm. And unfortunately, that's often because they're not so well-trained. But, uh, but the whole point is that, that there's a few very important things. And if you learn to get those right, if you invest the time in them, you're going to get very, very far compared to most people. Mm.
1: Right? Fascinating. Fascinating. I definitely want to dig into that and learn more.
0: I, I think fundamentally in, in all businesses, right? And, and again, if you don't have it, my favorite is always start developing people before they get to the level of management. Yes. Many many companies enjoy promoting from within, and I'm a huge, huge fan of that. Uh, the, the challenge that I see is that people are not actually preparing their staff for the day when a management role come up, right? And that's one of the key things that I see that that companies, I mean, I've grown a business from zero to 200 staff in a couple of years, right? And the reason we were capable to do that was because we were really effectively training the people, whoever was going to be next, whoever was going to be the next manager, the next leader. uh, We were training them up front so that when they were promoted, they actually had, uh, they're not by no means experts, but even if you have a little bit of the map, to what is the next step to take? How am I going to be a manager? What are the things I'm going to do? That just makes such a huge difference.
1: It really does. Um, I'm blessed that I was part of an organization that I consider to be a plus at training professionals uh, early in my career. Um, I started my career with Accenture and had a truly remarkable experience learning my craft there. And What I see today um, that is so prevalent is I see that the experience that I had, what was unique about it was, yes, it was very in-person. It was team-oriented, so I had teams to work with. I had lots of different leaders that I got to see in action. So I saw all kinds of different leadership behaviors and essentially was able to pick out my own and create my own style over time, um, as well as actually learning the nuts and bolts of my area of expertise. Today, I think some of those lessons are harder to acquire Um, in our hybrid and remote world. I think it takes longer for new professionals to gain those skills and experiences. And I think that just some core generational differences out there are playing a role in hampering some of our younger professionals in their growth. And what I would call that is social comprehension, and engagement. Um, There's just a core difference in how they um, interact with people. Um, They may not have been encouraged to truly compete. They may have been in a situation where everyone got a blue ribbon. And so they really may not have done a lot of hard things in their growing up years and that makes a difference when you reach your professional career and I've seen I'm seeing that play a key role in younger people growing getting skills and really learning how to lead
0: yeah yeah I I see similar things one one thing I would say though is that I also find that if you have a great culture, you, you do have a, a great opportunity to shape these people as well, right? Because absolutely, reality, reality is most people want to do a good job. Like when they get a job, when they have a job, they, they wake up in the morning and they want to do a good job, right? So So what I've found is in companies with great culture, even though the, the the sort of background the challenges people have faced in the younger years, you can actually, you can, you can give them a, a, a very, very good start to their professional career. If you have a great culture in your business, right? If you have like strong discipline and, and if you have a team that, that, that is working well together and delivering strong results, right?
1: Absolutely. Culture can absolutely cut, through all of the red tape of an individual learning how to lead when you have leaders that are demonstrating great behaviors and mentoring others um even informally it makes a giant difference
0: yep and one of the examples i had from the corporate world from that i saw myself was just simple things like tardiness for example right like When when someone shows up late, if you have a new employee, employee that's sitting watching, and and, you know, they're there on the first day, second day, third day, and they notice that a bunch of people show up late, right? Within the first week, they're likely to be late because they see other people being late and it doesn't seem to be a big issue. So, you know, if they're a little bit late, it does it isn't a problem. But the whole thing is that that is exactly one of those challenges you see from a cultural perspective when you're when you're seeing issues that uh, sort of disciplinary issues that are not being addressed effectively like the same when you're seeing people who are not performing or worse actually when you see people who are high performers who behave in like an unprofessional way or the likes and they're not being taken care of right they're not actually those things are not being addressed often because they are high performers. So, you know, we let them get away with a little bit more, but the problem with that is in, in any culture, you're creating a benchmark for everyone else. And you're basically showing them, well, you know, here you can behave a little bit, however you like. Right.
1: That's correct. Yes. Um, I can't stand uh, the whole, that that whole conversation about tardiness. I am totally with you there, um, because of the environment that I grew up in, um, and the type of client service work that I've done, being very much in front of the client, um, very present, always there, on time, you know, with all the right answers as much as feasible, or ready to write ready to ask the right questions, um, of the client. Uh, tardiness is a huge pet peeve of mine. Um, huge pet peeve. Um, but when you talk about like the behavior of middle management, that's something that I want to understand more about the individual. I actually want to get under that to understand what's going on with them personally. I want to understand what is motivating them outside of the norm of the business. Like, let's say the organization really doesn't uh, like, approve, or support the behavior that this individual is demonstrating. Um, That would be a huge encourager for me to get the right mentor involved with that person, That might be able to encourage them to change their behavior on their own it's hard to do this is not easy
0: I, I I think I mean I I've been there myself so so when I started initially right I was I mean I didn't know what I was doing I was I knew I wanted to get into management but I didn't know I didn't know how to get there right and and Uh, One of the first lessons that I learned, despite being, you know, very introvert by nature and and a very reserved individual was that, you know, if you don't ask for help, you're definitely not going to get it. So asking for help, sometimes you'll get a no, but oftentimes you'll get a yes. And when I first started out, like I would literally walk around the company and, you know, I was like, okay. Uh, here's some other managers you know i might not have spoken to them a lot or whatever but just walk up introduce myself and say hey you know i'm super interested in management i would i would love to spend you know an hour after my ship finished to sit and look at how you do things and what you're doing and you know listen to some of your wisdom and you know a lot of people are are very happy to help like i've had very few people say no thanks right like People are are generally happy to help. And I I got so much help and support in my early days from just asking the question.
1: Absolutely. Ask ask for more guidance if you don't have enough and um, ask to talk to someone that has expertise in what you want to learn. Those kinds of things are really great things for new professionals to do to learn more and grow more.
0: Definitely. Definitely. Right, Sarah, it's been a very interesting conversation. Um, Absolutely. any, Any particular sort of resources or anything at all that you sort of recommend to someone who is maybe running a small business and, you know, might not be an expert in management, but what's some resource that have been really helpful for you or really sort of changed how you look at things?
1: Well, um, you know, in line with the conversation that we're having today, someone with an organization of any size, so it could be the smallest startup organization uh, with a few resources. It could even be that those resources are external. They could be vendors to the startup company as they are starting to grow all the way up to a midsize growing company you're going to want to have tools in your toolbox that allow you to understand sentiment in the organization. Um, Outside of you as a business owner, talking with someone one-on-one, you're going to want to understand that sentiment in a way that allows people to be anonymous. And so I highly recommend using tools like Mentimeter. um, Incorporating a tool into your meeting where you're able to ask an open-ended question and get feedback. You can ask questions that may be totally open-ended like um, what ideas do you have for our business? To how would you like to see us engage employees more? Anything like that, where you're actually trying to get people to tell you more from their heart, you're going to get some great data that you're going to be able to act on. And so I highly recommend getting some really simple tools like that in your toolbox that could make a huge difference. Excellent.
0: And Sarah, if people have been listening to this conversation and they're eager to get hold of you, what's the best way to do so?
1: The best way to do so is honestly through my website at Um, They can reach out to me there. They can also uh, drop me an email if they so choose at sarah, S-A-R-A, at sarahwshean.com. Excellent.
0: Thank you so much for joining me today. That was a, a very interesting conversation.
1: Absolutely, Mads. Thank you so much. I appreciate it.
0: Thank you very much. And to the audience, thank you for hanging on all the way to the end. We'll be back again next week. Thank you for listening to the Mad Singers Management Podcast. Please leave a review. It means the world to us. You can also learn more
1: about management at madsingers.com.